Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome to the Castle Dracula podcast where we talk about horror movies, vampire movies, and all-around awesomeness. Find us online at castledraculapodcast.com. Today we're taking on Werner Herzog's 1979 vampire masterpiece Nosferatu, starring Klaus Kinski and Isabella Johnny. Bear in mind that if you haven't seen today's movie, we're going to be talking about it from the perspective of horror fans who have. So warning, spoilers ahead. I'm your host, Jason Henderson, author, author of Alex Van Helsing, Voice of the Undead, currently from HarperCollins. So look for it at Amazon or your local store. Send me a note when you do. With me are Tony Savaggio, writer of comics like Psycom from Tokipop and Clockworks from Humanoids and the lead singer of the band Deserts of Mars. Say hello, Tony. Howdy. And token female and attorney... Julia Guzman, say hello. In, uh, in honor of the missing Drew, I will say mo- uh, 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 uh. Yes, we're missing we're missing our usual uh, uh, partner in crime, which is a Halloween man scribe, uh, Drew Edwards. May he uh, do whatever he's doing in Austin in peace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will spare. I, I was about to say, may he rest in peace, and I was thinking people are going to go, what? <laughs> what happened to Halloween? All, all my issues of Halloween men are going to skyrocket in value now. Yeah, maybe you should do that just so that he can get it. <laughs> We're going to start a nasty rumor that people are going to be like, first issue Halloween man, $600 right here on the cash on the barrel. All right. I will spare people a blow-by-blow synopsis, but here's the gist of the movie, Nosferatu the Vampire. A German real estate attorney, Jonathan Harker, travels across a dreamlike landscape to Transylvania to sell one Count Dracula a house, only to find that Dracula is a weird, rat-like recluse who takes a liking to the photo of Jonathan's fiancée, Lucy. And soon, Dracula returns to Germany, bringing the plague with him, and it's up to Lucy to bring an end to Dracula's Reign of Terror. Um, and eventually, I should mention that Harker makes it back, but he is well on the way to becoming a vampire. And I won't quite give the, give the end there, but we may very well spoil it. So first impressions, Nosferatu the Vampire. Uh, we've, bo- we've all watched it this weekend. Julia, what are your first impressions of Nosferatu the Vampire, the 1979 version? Um, I thought it was so beautiful. I mean, it was just such a uh, just an attract, a visually attractive movie, and uh, and just really interesting. Like art, it just it was just like a painting. The whole thing was like a a watercolor painting, an impressionist painting. Because 
just very artistic and I mean, it, well, actually, not even just like an impression. It was kind of like a combination between impression, an impressionist painting, and an expressionist painting, because um, you know you have the creepiness and the the bizarreness of Dracula and the, or Nosferatu. Yeah, well, Dracula they call him. Yeah. And then you have, uh, and then you have all the beauty of all the landscapes and everything. So I just thought it was just a wonderful movie. Outstanding, Tony. First impressions. I have to agree. <clears throat> I mean, plus I, I think um, from reading uh, various bits around, like the they wanted to evoke expressionism and, in particular, the expressionist period. Not only in the film. I mean, there's, you know, it's a supposed to be a remake of the original, which they thought was, you know, I think Herzog thought that um, that was the time period, you know, that was one of the best times in German cinema, and he wanted to evoke that, but not but not just the film qualities, but, you know, the art movement as well, so I think you pretty much hit it on the head with that. Yeah, it is beautiful, and, I'll, you know, the choices that they make when setting up scenes and everything, I, it's just a really enjoyable film. I think it's a little slow for a lot of people who are expecting kind of a more uh, hammer approach. Yes. Things. Um, I've seen or Hollywood or anything. About, actually, right. Yes. I've seen a lot of people complaining about how slow it is. But um, it's one of those movies you kind of just want to soak in, you know. Yes. And and that's, I think, one of the big differences. I, I think it's awesome. And in fact, I was watching it alone today and Rain came in. She was like, "Wait, I thought you were gonna watch it with me." Because <laughs> she oh. wanted to watch it again. So, um, yeah, I think there's something there for for not just stands of horror per se. Like it could be, you know, if you have if your significant other is someone or friends or people who have patience for for uh, watching something as slow as this, which I I think is fine. Um, I think it could be a good kind of gateway vampire movie. Um, that you know, yeah, it's, it's just awesome. I don't know. Uh, I I agree with both of you. I think um, there are a couple things that just really jump out with Nosferatu, the 1979 one. First of all, uh, so I agree that it's not it's not a traditional horror film in any sense. I mean, so basically, basic description of it: this is a vampire movie, and it's a Dracula movie. It's literally a, an adaptation of Dracula, but it's also a a shot for one gets the impression Werner Herzog did not make this movie because he was like, well, it's the point of my career when I need to make a horror movie, so what am I going to do? This is this is a love letter to B.F.W. Murnau's original Nosferatu, and it, you know it captures German expressionism. The film it has an amazing soundtrack uh, that you know I think you, you I've never seen in a in a vampire movie. It's just this really sort of kind of religious transformative you know mood music from from Van Popelvue and that's amazing and then there's this insane performance by Klaus Kinski as Dracula that is so funny and so like it is funny in a in a disturbing way that just keeps paying off from the beginning of the movie to the end anytime Kinski's on the screen you just can't stop being both revolted and also laughing at it well it's definitely dark. It's it's dark humor throughout. Yes. On first watch, you may or may not pick up on, depending. But um, also, I've read some things where people were saying it's kind of supposed to be a parody, almost. Wow. And 
you know, but da- darkly done. And I can kind of see where people would say that I, you know, I haven't, I didn't listen to the commentary, but, um, so I'm not sure if that was part of the commentary or not, but, you know, I could definitely see where people would think that even if it hasn't been corroborated, um, because, yeah, it's just such a crazy performance and it's awesome. It is. a lot of other little bits that just make for, for really just cool stuff. I think I, I want to jump right, actually, since it seems to me the most important thing in the whole darn movie is Klaus, is, uh, Klaus Kinski as Dracula. I want to just jump right to him. The When he shows up, you know, uh, there's the, the scene where almost immediately after Harker has gone into the castle and the Count says, uh, you know, I'm Dracula, come on in. And then they sit down, and Harker's like eating, you know, some bread and wine and cheese and whatever the heck Dracula has prepared for him. And Dracula just stands there watching him like some demented butler. Right. <laughs> he's like, his eyes, you really, it really just, it, it gave itself to like one of those Dilbert cartoons where the where the boss behind you wants you to click the right button and eventually like the boss is like pressed up to the back of your head waiting for you. Well, and, and then the sounds that he's making are just hilarious. He's going, uh, uh, <laughs> it was just so funny. That's, you're right that it's creepy but funny at the same time because how he's looking at him and he's kind of like... <laughs> And you know, like occasionally you hear something that might be him licking his lips or he's like <laughs> Yeah. Well I also like how world weary he is. Like yes. he is just sick of being around. Like, he doesn't have the wherewithal to like throw himself out in the sunlight or whatever. That's what I was gonna say. I mean the same thing. I was like, why does he used to go outside? Well because he, he still he, has he, hopes for improving his life. That's just remarkable. No, what what I also <laughs> the thing I picked up on too that I thought was really funny is like he's actually one of the most emo of vampires around <laughs> and you know and it, I was thinking while I was watching I was like you know this is how you know all these you know if it, it teenagers would be right if you're yeah. like oh I got turned into a vampire and you're like oh this would be cool but instead this is probably more like it like oh I'm so so bored of being a vampire. I know, totally, <laughs> I, you're I right. All and I've done it all, the, and I just cannot believe <laughs> I am still a vampire after all these years. Oh, <laughs> this is he really does. He really does see him just like dropping his shoulders and just like hurling himself around, going, Ugh. "Oh, oh!" But, but the scene when Harker does cut himself. Dracula oh, yeah. goes, oh, um, it's you've cut yourself. Let me lick your thumb. And he and Harker's like, no, no, thank no you, that's sir. fine. It's fine. No, 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 okay. And Dracula kind of he kind of coils and he goes, yeah. <laughs> you know who you're reminds me of actually is the way he, the sounds that he makes are like Pat the um from Saturday Night Live. It's Pat, you know. Yeah, yeah I wonder <laughs> what, what's funny though too is because I watched the, the German one and I think he makes he might make less of those noises. It's possible. Yeah. it's very possible. And that's, that's pretty because I think I mean I remember he makes some some kind of bizarre noises constantly. In the German, he also he says something like. Well, this is the best medicine for that, or or it's the oldest remedy, or something akin to that. Yes. And then when he starts like just grabs his hand and just starts like, you know, <laughs> sucking on his hand, you know, Harker's like, whoa, what the, what the hell is? Hey, did they, did they, 
did, do you guys know, did they shoot the movie twice? Yeah, they so, did. Because yeah. it looks like they're speaking English all the it's time. No, it's a huge chunk, huge chunk of dialogue parts. They shot them twice. Yeah. yeah. The whole movie, like, well, not the whole movie, of course, but all the dialogue parts were shot twice. Because okay, because I was going to say, it didn't look like they were speaking German, it looked like they were speaking English from the get-go, so... Yeah, right, uh-huh. so you and I watched the American version, the sorry, the BBC version. Not, not that, yeah. Was, right, the, the English language version. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony watched the uh, German version with subtitles, and the difference is that all the scenes where people are speaking, he's watching an alternate take where they, right. they shot it again. And many people say that the the performances are better in German because although Bruno Gans and Klaus Kinski and Isabella Johnny all speak English just fine, you know, they can get more out of their lines. Um, right. But I, I just, I find it hard to believe that only in as much as these lines are extremely formal and and almost, I don't know, antiquated, such that it's almost impossible for me to imagine getting a naturalist performance out of out of these things. Well, and yeah, no, but but let's get back. I don't want to. I, I want to keep talking about um, Klaus Kinski because he's just. Yes. I mean, he's just so crazy. It's just like the way the fact that he can move. His, his body is really bizarre. I mean, I don't know if he looks like this generally, or if it's just that they've padded his uh, costuming in a certain way. But he's got this like such a tall, straight sort of rectangular body with the wide shoulders and everything. And so yes. when he's moving around, it's just the creepiest effect. And especially when they do the, the effect where he's floating, where the, when, um, when Harker's in his room and all of a sudden uh, Dracula appears in the doorway bathed in blue light and just floats toward him with his hands out in an angle. It's the creepiest <laughs> thing. I was freaking out. I mean, it, it was it really just is. so creepy. Well, I like also when he gets up at the very end, he gets up from Lucy and, you know, he notices, oh, crap, there's sunlight, you know, it's day. And he does this weird, like, he doesn't just get up. He, like, contorts and moves, you know, sinuously yes. and strangely, like, at all kinds of weird angles. Yeah, uh, and he's beastly. He's so beastly. He's not like yeah. a person. I mean, it's, I was saying to, saying to Jason that um, the way that he, when he's, uh, when he's, when he's um, sucking on Lucy's neck, it's not like other vampires where it's always been kind of a seductive, sensual thing where the vampire is kind of nestled in the person's neck. He actually is against, like, the way he positions himself, it's not the way that you would normally position yourself if you're going to go in on somebody's neck, you know, to kiss their right. neck or bite their neck. It's like he's the other way. And it looks like a, basically like a snake, you know, has just kind of tucked his teeth right in there, and there's not any, there's nothing sensual about it. There's nothing that makes you, you know, there's nothing titillating, there's nothing at all romantic. Well, it's I mean, completely beastly, mon- monstrous, you know, animal kind of thing. Well, also yeah. is like, um, you know, rat-like. There's rats everywhere. Yeah, rat-like. He made his mm-hmm. teeth rat-like. The only kind of, he starts like sort of kind of attempting sensuality, like he pulls her dress Well, yeah, when he's like pulling up her skirt and he's got his hand on her breast, that's that's sort of sensual, but I'm talking about the actual act oh, of yeah. biting her neck. Oh, yeah, he's just a weird, creepy... I mean, they even made his fangs rat-like instead of being... Yes. Like, yeah. You know, well, what, what struck me is he's so hideous and so, like... like and and if, if somebody's listening to this and you haven't seen this... Rem- I know you've seen Nosferatu, but, you know, yeah, he's he has broader shoulder, his hands... And it's so weird when he's sitting there with Dracula and talking and also pouring wine and just sort of doing oh, yeah. whatever crazy. Even Har- talk. When he's with Harker, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and and he's got Dracula is pouring the wine, and and he puts his hand on the bottle, and he's got these extraordinarily long nails. And which he's part already, of the gift, by the way, at the end, which is, I guess it's just that you just automatically get long nails and you become a vampire, along with right. fangs. Good, and that's a good point, Tony, that the fangs are not the canine teeth or whatever the, whatever those teeth are that are on either side of your front teeth. They're right. the front teeth. The front teeth yeah. are actually the fangs, as opposed to the, the ones that they usually are. In all the you, other vampires. It's really as though when you become a vampire in this universe, this one that we're looking at, because it's happening to Jonathan Harker at the end, you become a vampire and it immediately starts to to warp your body, uh, you know, in in strange ways, where you're becoming literally a different kind of creature, which makes sense and and that's okay. That's that's what Dracula, what vampires are, and what Dracula is, but uh, it it's you know. He's totally sold over to it. There's a point where uh, he's moving the boxes. This is also the riveting um, coffin-moving scene. One thing this movie does <laughs> is like it deliberately makes certain sequences run on extra long, and I really just have to believe that it's to get a laugh, that it's intended to just make you amused that Dracula, for instance, doesn't hire any gypsies in Germany to like carry his boxes so he gets them himself in the middle of the night. He sneaks out there. And he practically sort of tiptoes. He has these long, you know, footsteps and stuff, and he grabs it one coffin at a time and runs it back to the house. Yeah, he kind of <laughs> looks around like, like he's kind of dark. His eyes are. He's, no, he's, he's hilarious. Pulling, I mean, these coffins have got to weigh, you know, six hundred pounds each, and he's just like, <laughs> just running. Well, I think that's what's awesome, and also like he, he kind of issues servants. Other than weird, the weird kid who plays violin. Yes. <laughs> Even when like Renfield comes up and he's like, "Hey, Dracula, you're my master. This is gonna be great." That was, he's like, like rubs his oh head against my gosh. Like, that was the funniest really scene in the I whole have. movie. I cracked up so hard because of how he looks at him. Like, what? What do you want? It's like some like stray dog that's just come up begging you for food, and you're just like, "Dude, <laughs> go away! You're and gross." He just goes. He's like, I don't, I don't know. Go spread plague somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just go. And and Renfield Renfield's rubbing up against him like a lost cat, you know, like please, master. <laughs> so funny. The other hilarious thing was when he's just randomly running through the square of the town. And like, kind of just goes into one doorway, and it's like, no, that's not it. And he goes into another doorway. It was so. He's a really funny character, given how very freaking freaking scary he is. Yes. Oh it's, my it's god! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly I mean, conceived. It's a, it's a really good mix of like a new, like a a new look, but also such a good throwback to the original. <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah. So it's a really good hybrid and just like. Well, the look is fantastic too. I mean, it's with the ear, the the the, the prosthetics that they put on him, like the ears and the the teeth and the fingers, and I mean, it's just just enough to make him look otherworldly. You know, like some kind of alien. What was your commentation about the alien thing? Well, yeah, I was just thinking about how how he, um, when he's talking to Lucy, you know, he comes to Lucy in the middle of the night, and he engages in this weird, you know, semi-religious conversation, but it's really about, come away with me and, and, and everything will be fine. And Dracula is so pathetic because he, if we are to assume that this movie is, representational of what is actually happening to these actors. So if we were to assume that Dracula really does look the way he looks on the screen, this guy is talking to Lucy and he says, you know, something like, if you would come away with me, if, you know, it would improve my life a great deal. 
you know it is terrible there are far worse things than death it's so interesting to and sad to think of some human trapped in that crazy body and also still desperately imagining that for some reason lucy of all people is it's a melajani is is going to see past all the stuff like the rat ears and the rat teeth and the rats by the way and all of that stuff <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to it's going to go well, dang it, you're right. You know, he's a nobleman. I should run off with Dracula. And, and you know, because this is not Frank Langella. I mean, i got to say this. The same year, all right, exactly the same time, somebody could practically leave this movie and run across the street and see Frank Langella also playing Dracula in Universal's Dracula. And it is like, as, as it is so different a performance, it's almost impossible to state how different they are. You know, I, it's it's beyond beyond description, these two Draculas. Also, you know, there are a few scenes also that are, that play a lot more like a play or like that you could just as easily swap out what they're saying as title cards. Yes. And they would play very similarly. Like the the, the way the dialogue is delivered and the lines that they use, like yes. really feel like silent movie dialogue and they're acted out that way. Yeah, it's clearly not intended to be. I, I it it can't be intended to be realistic dialogue. It's it's got to be. It's intended to be elevated for some reason. And I wish I could remember some of Harker's lines early on when he's finding out about going to Dracula's castle. But they are, you know, they're they're just intended that way. And then occasionally it'll lapse into this like hyper realism where there's like a, a documentary feel, you know, like right. when the when the gypsies are talking. And right. on and on and on about what it takes to get up to the castle. Well, and also just the showing of the, I mean, the, the footage that they have of Europe, it's like one of those travel uh, those travel videos where they're trying to, they're like, come to Europe, see our beautiful vistas. You know, we have waterfalls and we have desert with, you know, sand that glistens over the desert. And then we, you know, we have a, whatever, like, I mean, it was just, it was so pretty the way they shot it. And there's so much of just the scenery that it yeah. really does feel, like you said, like a, um, a documentary about something. Also, like, they did, they did set up, like, you know, often it's like you get Jonathan, hey, by the way, I'm going, that's it, you know, yeah. and Lucy says, like, hey, let's go hang out on the beach, let's let's do something before you, yeah. you know, and they really set up, like, kind of their, their interaction, and so yeah. that really, like, makes it much more plausible when she starts to have these nightmares whenever he's being, you know, Molested by Dracula, yes. Um, that that it, it kind of sets it up. The other thing that I thought was just a really I'd forgotten was this undercurrent. Unlike almost every other vampire uh, movie, a you know, um, Ben Helsing is useless. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, oh yeah, he's hardly in the movie. Yeah, and he. But there's an undercurrent where usually it's flipped. In this movie, faith is almost everything, and they argue against science. Yes. Which usually it's kind of the opposite, other than the fact that crosses affect Dracula in most movies. But that that even tends to go away. The more modern the movie, the more, like, ha-ha, faith is crap, you know. Yeah. Whatever, like, that goes away, um, you know, that's, you know, or even to the point that in some of them, they even go past the 
whole like you have to believe and go that was just I don't know that's some superstition that right. we didn't even it doesn't this even one is in a it has a very modern sort of anti spiritual uh, uh, attitude at least the characters no no no, no. it's well, the opposite hmm. the spirituality of all the characters like oh yeah well Van Helsing says sections. to have faith well, but no, he they also have whole sections where she's like your science is useless. Like, this is a thing of faith. And that happens over and yeah. over and over. Like, when I was watching it, in the notes I wrote, I was I was really amazed that it went back to, like, when she confronts Dracula, like, in everything. Because she's the most useful character. I mean, she is the most... She's the only one who knows anything about what's going on. The whole thing. Yes. And it's awesome. Like, the way that, that her... The way that she operates and the way they've written... Uh, Lucy's character is just—it's just cool. Like, say what you will about empowering women, whatever, and you know, then putting them in skimpy outfits and stuff like that. Like all of that crud. None of that's here. She's actually like the only one who can do anything towards, you know, yeah. solving this menace. She figures and, it and out early on and spends some time trying to convince other people. Nobody believes her. Dracula, even when she knows, like when Dracula's like, come in, this isn't like a love, doesn't turn into a love story either. The whole time she's like, you know, even when he starts to seduce her, she pulls away and like, ha ha, here's a cross. And he's like, ah, you know, ah, and he shrinks back, you know. Like she knows how how to do this up until the point where she, you know, realizes what her fate is. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah but, she was so, she was an interesting character. I mean, she is so... First of all, I just want to say she's so exquisitely gorgeous. I mean, and let's so say beautiful. who we're talking about. We're talking about Lucy being played by Isabella Johnny. Uh, go ahead. Who's a French? She's a French. Huh? Who doesn't age? Even yes. no. Like, that's what I was going to say. We looked at a picture of her from 2009, yep. and she is actually a vampire. It turns out because she is so. not any, a single day older than she is in, in this year. So she actually is a vampire. Um, no, she's so incredibly, incredibly beautiful, this French actress. But um, but anyway, she is, it was such an interesting character because, like, even when, well, first of all, nobody screams in this movie ever. But, like, the, when even when he appears in her um, in her bathroom or whatever, wherever she is, with the, the dressing, you know, dressing room, whatever it is, and she's looking in the mirror, and all of a sudden, the the freaky shadow of Dracula appears in the mirror. Which it's interesting that he casts a shadow, and that the shadow casts a reflection, but he does not cast a reflection in the mirror. And so she she like turns around, and he's there, and and she just kind of goes, oh, but then she doesn't scream, and she doesn't yell, she doesn't lose it. She's completely calm, and she just says he says something like, "Excuse my rude entrance," which I'm thinking. <laughs> really? Is it that easy? And she's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, no big, no big deal. <laughs> and then they engage in this like super deep conversation, and that, that's what her her pantomime that she does when Dracula walks up behind her because she's brushing her hair in the mirror. Then the shadow comes up, and so she has this growing look of horror, and it's clearly a pantomime of the scene that's like that in the original silent, silent. film. But then they engage in this crazy intellectual conversation because he goes, "It must excuse my entrance." And then he sits down and they just start talking. He says, "The absence of love is the most abject pain," and whatever. And she's like, "Salvation comes from ourselves alone." And he talks about how even the unthinkable will not deter. Or she's one of those. Even the unthinkable will not deter me. I wrote wrote that down. And it's like they build. They they do. They have these super deep. But she's completely calm and not at all troubled by his being in there. 
it's it, this, really this makes it so freaking German, this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you kind of picture if, for some reason, James Cameron's Aliens were, like, given to Werner Herzog to remake, so you'd have, like, Werner Herzog's Aliens. <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, all the Marines would like wake up, and then they'd get little cups of coffee, and they'd sit down, and, <laughs> and they'd start discussing. The greatest pain comes from the deep sleep. Right. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So many times I have slept, and yet we travel oh. onward. Sanchez, have you ever been been mistaken for a man? No, but many of us are not ex- not mistaken for men, except for the important points in life. <laughs> there is. I, I want to see this a... movie. <laughs> right. Now. It's hilarious. This is a Prometheus movie that's coming out. This is the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Herzog's Aliens is now the movie I want to see most of all. There oh. is. There is what I realized that was looking back in my notes. There is a one time when she screams, and that's at the very beginning of when she screams when she's like asleep or whatever, yeah. and she wakes up. And I just wanted to make uh, n- note that the um, that they have she and her and her husband um, Jonathan have two tiny little beds separated by a nightstand, a la I Love Lucy and all those other shows from that era. And under like, but under a a sort of a, a makeshift you know headboard type thing with this um this balance type whatever they call it the um some kind of you know like it's supposed to look like it's one bed but it's two little beds and then he comes over to her to comfort her and I'm thinking this would be so much easier if they just had one big bed <laughs> but I don't understand it because I thought the whole point of the two bed thing in the in the movies and the TV shows was was so that they wouldn't have the two people being in the bed together, but then he gets in the bed with her. So I was like completely confused by that. So I'd, I'd throw that in there because it was of the of the era. Like you had that, and then you could, you know, you could sleep apart if you wanted to. Well, you know, I come to bed late or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but they're was, tiny little beds. Like, there's no way you could sleep together in those beds. I mean, when when she gets in there with her, it's like there's no. It's like she's on top of him basically because there's no room. So well, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't get that. <laughs> it's not meant huh? to sleep together. <laughs> no, but, you know, yeah. it's funny. I just read uh, Cape Fear recently, and that that was done in the early 50s. And he makes just passing reference to the fact that his wife and he have separate beds, you know, in the same room. So, I mean, considering that – I always thought that this was just invented for TV, but it appears that, no, you That's just actually. had a common thing of – people sleeping separately, maybe because they just considered it comfortable. I mean, who knows? Well, but still, it seems like they would have the two beds be next to each other, not separated. So that way, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that way you have, if you have independent mattresses, like now they have the whole the sleep number thing where, like, one half of the bed is one <laughs> sleep right. number. The other. It's like you just have the mattresses next to each other, but not separated by, like, four or five feet or whatever, three feet, you know. I don't know. I just thought that was weird. But anyway, but, but you're probably right. But I'm sure that's how it was. It just it seemed like a really silly yeah, I mean, it can't possibly be to avoid sexual relations because nobody's ever cared about that between married people. So it well, no, but they cared about that's what they cared about. Like in I Love Lucy, they didn't want to have because of the fact that these that were actual actors. I think this is my understanding. I could be wrong, but my understanding was because of the fact that these were actors and not really married people, they didn't want them to be in a bed together. They were like, you know, we don't need to go that right. far. You know, it's like now, like you don't want to see people naked together unless you're in a rated R movie or something like that, but not in regular TV. That was the same idea. And so, um, but in real life, I didn't know that they had that set up. That's interesting. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
By the way, uh, I'm back on the, yeah. the sets and everything and the imagery. The mm-hmm. mummified people at the beginning is creepier than almost any horror movie I've seen recently, and I'd forgotten what? about that part, and I was it's like... very disturbing. And, and we looked it up to find out, to see what the deal was. Jason, tell him what, what the... Did you have, did you, uh, first of all, since you brought it up, Tony, did you read up on this? No, no, but I've seen I've seen similar stuff in National Geographic like past year or two. They went over yes. a lot of that, and I, you know, if it they are naturally, kind of... they are naturally occurred mummies of. Uh, uh, so the, the movie begins with a sequence where they're playing this this really ominous choral piece from Popolvu, and Werner Herzog just films this long you know, collection of mummies, of, of dead people who have been mummified. But they're clearly not ancient because they are, uh, you know, they, they usually have only like mummified skin and so forth, but their clothes, to the extent that they wear them, are fairly modern clothes. You know, like you'll, you'll see that somebody has on, you know, these high-heeled shoes and you realize, well, those shoes are actually fairly recent. So what they are, this whole sequence to, that we open with, which is supposed to suggest, I guess, the kind of death that vampirism brings, uh, are mummies of people who died in a cholera epidemic in the, uh, I think it was like the 1830s. 1833. 1833 is what you said. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they're on display in Mexico, and uh, Herzog may have seen them before. Who knows? But anyway, he knows about these. He goes down to film the sequence. He gets permission to actually remove the mummies from their cases. And they're, in glass, simply, they're in glass cases in Guanajuato. Uh-huh. And he props them up against a wall mm-hmm. so that he can film them outside of their glass cases and uh, arrange them according to uh, like height and age and stuff. And it's weird. It is a weird sequence. You're looking at a lot of dead bodies here, and it's just strange. And it's just so bizarre that they would let him take them out of the cases, you know, to do that. You know, it seems like that would be the kind of thing where they'd be like, no, we really That's prefer this day in their cases. Well, depending how much money he paid, you know, I guess. Yeah. this areas where. Uh, I saw. Well, see, I saw one in National Geographic that was, if I'm not mistaken, don't hold me to this, but I'm, I was. I want to say it was mummified children in like some catacombs. Yes. And that was freaky enough. And then these, the fact that they are a lot of them clothed still, and the the way that they're, you know, clutching themselves or clutching others, or that just, it's just creepy. Yeah, it it's is, a very creepy piece. Like, hands down, one of the most because it's real, you know. Yeah. One of the creepiest, and you know, it's it goes back to the the whole theme of the movie is this, this plague. I mean, usually it's played for oh, vampirism mimics the plague, and this one they just switched it around where it's like, and by the way, he brings the the plague. Yeah, they make like, it a plot. It's point. not even like it's not veiled. There's nothing like there are rats. He brings the rats. The rats caused the plague. This is really bad. And it's and not, not like he's, the rats. he's yeah. Well, he's not an alien who like accidentally brings a plague and doesn't care. It's more like he uh, he's an evil dude. He's gonna bring the black death with him. His the earth yeah. that he sleeps in has to be diseased. I mean, there's all kind. Basically, how evil is he? The earth he sleeps in has to be diseased. He's gonna bring plague, and he's fine with that. You know, that's and why. Well, not just fine yeah. with it. It's like it's like you were saying, Tony, about how he's bored. It's like he's like, this is a good way to overcome my boredom. I will spread the plague everywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. they open up the first coffins, and there's rats in them, and they don't throw them off or anything. 
Yeah, like, and not oh, only yeah, that, not only did they not throw them off, but the idiot, one of the idiots sticks his bare foot in there and gets oh, yeah. bitten. I'm like, really? I mean, even if you don't know about the plague, do you really think it's a good idea to stick your bare foot in with a bunch of rats? Well, and, and so you might just have pure ignorance about the rats. You know, it's right. possible. But, but I think, but usually, you know, a lot of times, oh, vampirism is a analog to yeah. name whatever. And in this one, it just totally issues that and goes, Yes, he actually brings the plague. Like what? he's a plague and, bearer. and he tells the, he tells Renfield to go do the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, I go spread the plague somewhere. No, I think the thing with the plague was a little bit strange for me because I feel like they were. It was like they were trying to say, okay, we have this thing, this this time period. There's the plague, so we should stick this in and have that be part of the plot, even though. You don't really need it, but it's almost like uh, at one point um, he's, you know, the the uh, Mina, uh, Mina is, has died, and they're like, oh, but don't worry, it's not the plague that killed her. Which I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't worry, the whole town is freaking dying from the plague. Who the hell cares if it's the plague? In fact, I would say worse that it's not the plague because you're like, we got another problem to deal with right. more than just the plague. <laughs> you know, this is not good news. And then there's that surreal, surreal party in the street thing at the end where everybody's dying. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I still don't know if that's a dream. I, I feel like it might be a dream that um, that she's ha- that Lucy's having because she's walking around and all these guys, it starts out that uh, all these um, men in, in black hats are in suits are, are carrying coffins into the street and they kind of set them down and she's trying to tell them that she knows why all this is happening and they're kind of ignoring her saying that Nobody, there's nobody in authority anymore. But then, the, after that, she's kind of walking around. And all of a sudden, it seemed like there was people. There's people dancing. I, I might be skipping where it might have been two different scenes. But anyway, <laughs> at one point, there's people dancing around. There's hogs like pooping in the street. There's um, people are eating dinner in the middle of the street, saying, "This is our last supper. We all have the plague now, so we're gonna die soon." And so we're just going to enjoy ourselves the last minute that we have. And it's just the freakiest scene. Yes. It was so bizarre. I don't know. It was very I strange to me. I think she does wake up. Um, she does wake up right that. after that. And so I think it could be a dream. But I think it's also one of those, you know, moments that's, you know, I mean, these are obviously well-to-do people who have decided, yeah. like, you know what, we have the play. We're still going to keep on our richy rich ways. You know, right. it, it kind of plays into that as well as, yep. you know, um, just it, it's meant to be surreal, but it also ties back into it. Because, I mean, even at the end, they're talking about, well, you know, there is no government. Like, everybody's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. They don't know what to do with Van Helsing because there's nobody to arrest him and no place to put him. Yeah. And if Van Helsing really... had any sense, he would have run away right then. Yeah. <laughs> because like, what? They're okay. standing there just going, well, I can't or arrest just talked him. out of it. And like, you know what, guys? I mean, we're all going to die anyway. Does it really matter? Um, but uh, another point. funny thing. Hey, look, a vampire. And then just run the other way. And he would have pointed pointed to a Harker, and he would have been right. Exactly. Um, I, I, but, I wanted uh, to mention, you, you asked about the, the alien, the other notion about Dracula being alien here, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what it was is that, yes, he comes across as alien, or rather he the way he tries to pass among humans is is so obviously wrong that it sets everybody off, you know, where it's he's somebody who's impossible to have a conversation with, especially because in the presence of blood, especially with Harker, you know, he'll go and throw himself on Harker's hand. And that's, it reminded me of, like, 
something like the Coneheads, where you have you have these people who are not what they pre- pretend to be, and they can't carry on a conversation for more than like a minute and a half without giving themselves away. You know, what a horrible, what a horrible <laughs> way is, to be. He is very Conehead-like, yeah. uh, especially with his bald, weird head. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, I was going to say about the the, the comment about you that you said uh, about his, the, the, the Richie Rich kind of thing, and what part of that. The thing about Lucy that that's interesting is that she goes back and forth between being the strong sort of I know what to do I'm the only person who has a brain around here, but then also she has to be she has to be sort of the damsel, you know, in distress right. and like she fa- like she faints when her husband when Jonathan says that he doesn't know who she is, and I'm just like really I mean who who faints at that you know but I, that's yeah. part of that that uh, and then like when she walks in. You know, they immediately when Mina's dead, they immediately tell her, "Calm down, Lucy." And like she's just walking, <laughs> she hasn't done anything. <laughs> but they're like, "Calm down, Lucy." They're like, "That's not calm." But is so there is definitely still trying to entertain this this notion that that women are you know are damsels in distress and and kind of need to be taken care of. But at the same time, they're trying to make her be a strong you know heroine. So it's 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 an interesting dilemma for um for Werner Herzog, I think to. How they're how he's going to represent her, but it, I think it, it pulls it off. And Tony's right, by the way, that the plague thing uh, it seems so is so scientific and modern, you know. So hey, forget about symbolism. Dracula is going to bring actual plague, and it, that is so so at odds with the rest of the movie, which is so sort of uh, traditional, you know, and 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 symbolic and all of that. So you know, I guess one of the reasons why I like the movie is that it's plays all of these elements against one another in ways that an American remake, you know, if they had remade Nosferatu in Los Angeles with, you know, and, and like MCA Universal had made it, I, I just kind of feel like it would have been an utterly different movie. You would have lost like at least, at least a couple of these elements that they would have decided just didn't, you know, didn't need. Well, to the sets for one thing, I mean, the, the way that they, Film. I mean, Universal. Everything was just on on a lot or a one set. In this movie, like like we talked about already, it's they spend so much time traveling and looking at these natural sets and the castles, like a real real castle. You know, it doesn't look. I mean, it's ruins. It's not. Well, and, not and Harker fancy. Harker seems to go through a dream state when he leaves wherever the heck he is with the the gypsies and makes his travel down the Borgo Pass, which is just a mountain pass. But it doesn't really matter because this is the Borgo Pass in this a, a movie. mountain pass, by the way, with with railings and rope. Which I'm like, who yes. put that up there? <laughs> Did Dracula go and put <laughs> well, that up there for whoever's traveling to his castle? Because it, uh, my my nobody else will nobody go, goes right? there. <laughs> also, I like how how it's different too. The um the village is super tiny. Yes, you know, it's like yes. mostly we see the inn, and it's it's so much. And I, I noted this too, like. All the extras, no matter what, um, seem very much rooted, like the costume design and everything. Like the the people in the village seem like villagers. They don't seem like actors extras. dressed as villagers, which you right. see in a lot of movies. And the same with you know the the gypsies look like, and, and the people in in you know back in the city, they yeah. just look like they're very you know they're varied. Um, you know, they look. Everybody fits. Yes, and, and that doesn't always happen. Well, remember, can, remember uh, Dracula's daughter when they they switch to Transylvania, and you have a couple of the quote unquote like the locals, and they're like, 
more American actors, but this time dressed up in like lederhosen and like Dutch right. clothes, yeah, or whatever. No, I know this is yeah. The the costuming is not at all distracting, except for uh, Renfield, who has that awesome purple jacket that I totally loved. Oh, yeah. But I mean, he's just crazy. He is. We'll have to talk about him in a minute. Let's, let's talk about him because awesome. uh, we, we should we should get on to some of the other cast members. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Renfield, who is played here. Oh, who is the gentleman? Roland Topor. Apparently, this guy's a writer, by the way, rather than <laughs> rather than being an actor most of the time. But his Renfield's amazing. I mean, I like so weird. Know him like at the beginning, and he's already a little bit off. Yeah, like, so weird. And then he, <laughs> he is pretty cunning. That or the the cops really really suck. Yes, he gets away in like the easiest. It's like. I mean, this is like Mayberry stuff that he pulls. Yes. You know? He's very oh, funny. I passed you. It's like, oh, really? Yeah, he tricks his way out. Um, by the way, he's a surrealist painter, for what it's and worth. And the laugh, the, the guy, <laughs> oh. the actor's a surrealist painter, that's awesome. Yeah. No, his laugh is just crazy. It was like, it's like <laughs> I mean, it was, I, don't even, I can't even do it. But it wasn't, it wasn't a normal laugh. It was just so bizarre. There's this one scene where they've put him in a straitjacket, and the authority, the two like guard guys or whatever they are, are just sort of holding him, and they're kind of looking off to the oh, side, yeah. like we don't even want to look at this dude, and he's just laughing, and it was the strangest shot, and they held it for a really long time. Yeah, so was so he is weird. truly deranged at that point, and I yeah. like how they're very like stoic, very European police mm-hmm. officers. Yes, and they're just trying to like keep him together, and he is just totally off his rocker. That's <laughs> totally really awesome. Like. Just how I mean, he is gone. Well, and then when Re- that's what makes it so great when Renfield comes to Dracula, because Dracula is just standing by the river, doing whatever Dracula does. When he just like that, right. Because several scenes occur where Herzog just sort of tells you know has Dracula just stand there, look into the middle distance as though Dracula is trying to remember what was the next part of his very clever plan. And so you have he's standing there, and then. Renfield comes up an equally crazy manic performance from an apparently also crazy actor, and he comes up and he's like doing his thing and rubs his head. <laughs> and you know these two. This is the moment when the two the two sort of overacting parts in this movie finally get to share a scene together. <laughs> but, you know what? I think of how like truly, um, and they've played it out at different things like you know like various comedic cartoons and stuff, but I think true supervillains who are extremely intelligent and have their stuff together, I think would view most of their minions that way, like, oh, man, why can't I hire better? <laughs> like, really, this is, this is the extent of it. And, he, and he's so dismissive, like, yes. you know, because oh, Rinsville's so excited that the Master's here. He can't wait he really to is. do his bidding. And then this look of disgust when Renfield finally shows up, and he's just like, "Ah, oh, this is Go my guy. I traveled all the way from Transylvania, and I get a Renfield. <laughs> Fantastic. This oh, and by the way, of the thing with the traveling, I love that um, we were talking about, like, how does he even get, Dracula gets stuff up at his castle? Because there's no road. There's no. I mean, there's no way everybody that's going out there to deliver anything or to go get stuff is going is taking the path that Harker took. But I love that when um when he's talking to I guess it's the I guess he's talking to he must be talking to Jonathan 
and he says, how long did it take the journey? And he's like, four weeks. And he goes, oh, yes, I guess it does take four weeks. It takes a long time by land. Is it him or to Lucy? I can't remember. He says that to Harker. And, to Harker? Uh, yeah. He's and, like, I guess it does take a long time by land. And I'm thinking, that's a, that's a clue. That's a red flag. <laughs> yes. Although it turns out that he just means that he's going to go by water somehow. Which, I don't you know, know. I think he means he's going to fly. <laughs> right. It seems that way, but he doesn't. He uh, Because because the gypsies first move the the coffins by, down by to some harbor somewhere, and then yeah, right. they get loaded onto a ship, and then he kills everybody on the ship until the ship just sure. drifts into... Oh, by the way, I yeah. love that scene where it drifts in. Everything's silent, and there's nobody on the streets, and it's really just the ship drifting in. Yes. The music. <laughs> well, that's the thing, Tony. The whole movie's like that. Like, you guys are talking about the soundtrack, but what I remember is the whole movie is silent. Like, I, there is occasionally, I remember there being an instrument or, like, an opera, you know, just a woman going, oh, you know, whatever. And then they've got, like, just one, maybe a, a horn, some kind, or a violin. But most of the time, the sound that you have is the freaky-ass Klaus Kinski breathing, you know, I mean, yes. it's just so creepy. Or, 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 or um, Lucy breathing, or you know, um, Harker breathing. It's like that's the breath. I think that the the primary sound of this film is just heavy breathing on those parts of these different of these different characters. Yes. But you're right. It's like the silence is so eerie to me throughout the whole. Well, thing. I guess I mean it is like you know I mean it's a remake of a silent film. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, you know, all and a, a remarkable one. It's used really well. Um, you know, I've seen other kind of, oh, we're going to make a throwback silent film, and, you know, none of them has the, the, the style that this has. Um, it's it's I, amazing. I, 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 that ship scene just, like, it just works, like. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I love how also it's it's strange. I mean, you know, for some reason it didn't strike me as super, um, like bizarre when when Lucy faints whenever he says I don't know you because yeah. one thing that's kind of different is they're so connected or to me anyway that yeah. you know whenever Dracula is like harming him like it's it's weird because she knows and she's had these terrible nightmares but also through that that's when Dracula starts to notice like wait she's noticing that that this is happening Mm-hmm. It's like almost like a, you know, yeah. That's through, through her dream, through or through you know this connection, Dracula is then connected. Yes. As opposed to just like, oh, that's a, you know, hey, look at that picture. Your wife is really beautiful, you know, which is you know, how it happens. He's when like, she freaks out at some he's point. Like, wait yeah. a second. Yeah. Who? Wait, who's in on this too? Like, it's. it's I thought that was. That yeah, and no, awesome. she starts doing her little zombie walk, like a sleepwalking thing before any of that happens and then they tell you know they say well it's not that serious she's just got the fever (laughs) (laughs) a slight case of brain fever is what they call it (laughs) i think they call his brain fever did they call hers i think they just said she has a fever and then they called harker's brain fever whenever he comes back Hmm. i remember them saying that they they go oh don't worry it's just a slight case of brain fever which (laughs) i always think is wonderfully hilarious like what the heck is brain fever (laughs) Um, really makes you wander around, yes, like sleepwalk. And, uh, I have one one more thing I wanted to point mm-hmm. out before you start wrapping up or whatever. Yeah, um, or that's all we should yeah. do, unless there, unless there's any more of the cast you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, no, the only the only other thing I wanted yeah. to point out was was 
what the heck is up with the dang kittens? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're like, we showed you a bunch of horrible mummies. And here's During the credit, yeah, the horrible mummies, and then kittens climbing on books that ha- randomly have apples strewn across them and a locket yes. hanging above. And I'm just well, like, who keeps their apples on top of their books for A? And B, who has kittens that climb all over their apples strewn <laughs> book piles? Well, if, you look at, if you look at paintings, you know, a lot of like... That's what it looked like. Are, it looked like a painting. Yeah, yes. it looked like a still life. And yeah. that's what, I guess that's what it, you know, of course, well... These paintings, it's like a reverse kind of inform. Like, well, I've seen all these paintings, and they have apples and stuff everywhere. Maybe or maybe not have kittens. And so what we're going to do is reproduce one of those paintings where everything's for real. That's right. The I think I think you're absolutely correct. That they said, let's make his, let's make the bookshelf out near his little breakfast nook look like a still life. Well, yeah, so it'll be kittens. a bookshelf. Why the kittens? <laughs> Because they've just shown you this horrible stuff, and you're like, "Well, I can't be creeped out anymore." Like a kid. Maybe they were about to film. Maybe they were about to film the still life, and they went off to lunch, and they come back, and there's kittens all over. There's kittens. We left the door open, and this is what happened. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was really funny. It have only been improved how that the round their feet puppy's been just kind of circling and running. And, had a, and all the like, all Aw. the stupid rats. The rats, by the way have been, like, dyed, and I can't remember what kind of dye they used to, to and a lot of people complained about, you know. Well, I can imagine. Of, but nevertheless, the, the rats have been dyed, but the dye is a, basically a powder, so a lot of the rats don't respond well to wrangling and direction and instead are busy just licking this powder off their fur. <laughs> well, the I mean, rats are creepy. You know yeah. what, though? You, don't, you won't really notice that if you, maybe, you know, you're like, well, they have fleas. Yes. So they're... Like, yeah, yeah, there's so much there's so much that's icky with with the rats. Uh we talked about Renfield and I guess we should mention uh Bruno Gans as Harker who is you know, he he just the it's a great performance. Any other movie would probably be the uh, the best performance here, but the thing is you've got these crazy performances that are just right. distracting all the time. But he's really good. And oh, I, I like love, him. I love at the end when they sweep away the crowns and he sidesteps. He's like, I cannot wait to get away from this. Yes. Hey. <laughs> he, yeah, he goes, he goes, ha. <laughs> he steps like, out of the, out of the uh, circle and he goes, ha. This is really funny. Right, so he's started to adopt the same sort of alien inappropriateness that Dracula had. You know, One imagines yeah. that his hair will continue to thin and he'll become a vampire in the manner that Dracula is and will be equally... Just insane and and you know demented. Well, and so so at the end when he's riding across, do you think that's a desert or do you think that's the beach? It looks like a desert, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, because no. it's so dry. Now, it doesn't it was, have. There's no water, and there's also no. Um, there's no. Uh, um, like no palm. No 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 trees or any kind of any kind of brush or anything that would that would yeah. indicate a beach. Well, there's a desert. I remember something in the distance, but. You and know, it was thought, with them. Um, it would be great if it was the somehow the beach where they had spent their last time together. I think that would be cool. But yeah. it well, is like just strange that all of a sudden it switches to this desert that he's. Well, and I love the time lapse photography, so that you're seeing all this like the 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 clouds are just whizzing by and the wind is just blowing all the sand all the time. Oh yeah, very pretty. Yeah. I, I find it's it probably is the desert, but it, it could just as well be the beach. He could very well be crossing into Spain. You know, there's a million different things he could be doing, and and it's clear though that he intends to go and start a a, 
I guess, a vampire empire. Although, oh, I think he, he's just going somewhere else to spread the plague because they seem to be yeah. very singular. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's all well. That's the thing. It's all internal. It's all about I'm in terrible pain, but I also have this aching need to go basically like kill a lot of people. You know, he doesn't seem to want to turn Lucy. No. She keeps, no, I mean, no. she keeps seducing him. I think that was interesting too, where he's like about to turn away, and she's like starts to pull her skirt back up again, like, yeah, hey, uh, over here, you know. Yes. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, he he kind of. Oh, that was you brilliant. Know, yeah. It's, it's all good because I mean, he wants to leave. He wants to be sure, but you know, since she's pure of heart, of course, he's distracted. That's yes. The whole point. I, I do love his performance though. Whenever he gets hit by sunlight. Yeah. Because he doesn't disappear either. That's what's awesome. Right, he twitches like a, he, like he a slug. There, and that's why, like, you know, Van Helsing has to go up and make sure the deed is done. Yes. And sadly, you know, she expires. I mean, it, it's, you know, she accepts her fate, and that's too Which really does kind of suck that she's not able to save Jonathan. That's another <laughs> like, thing so that would not that, happen. All that yeah. comes across, and then all he's like, you know, even even after the, you know, the traditional, oh, we killed the lead vampire thing. That's not even something. Well, he sure, and, and Jonathan sure acts like Dracula, and that leads you to another possible explanation for what's going on. might be too much of a step, but that there is an entity, a demonic kind of entity that just simply jumps from one right. body to the I next. I thought about that too, but he seemed to be mostly still Jonathan at the, that point, but that doesn't yeah. mean that that doesn't, you know. Yeah. It could be an like there could be many different takes on that. And I think that's another thing that that's really beautiful about the film is there's a lot of points where you can you know, it's an infinitely discussable film. Yes. You know. You can watch it like and then again you can through the beauty of you know, having DVDs, you can watch the both versions, the German and the yes. English version and and again like even what we're talking about where I kinda saw some different things. Just because on any, even if you take the same take, you're going to get different pieces out of it. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it, it that makes that's this. Cool that's yet another unusual and interesting thing about this movie is the the alternate takes. Um, guess that's just so rare to see. And the only other example I can think of is actually another version of Dracula, which is that the the Universal Dracula was shot twice, um, once in English and once in Spanish. During the same same days, same sets, different wow. different casts. That was the the difference there. Is they were doing a version for the Spanish language uh, market, and so they would just simply film during the day. They don't want to use the same sets. Right. So the same same shot list, same sets, everything. They go home. The Spanish cast comes on and does and does the same ones. Wow, who was Dracula in that? Uh, I don't remember the name of the... Uh, I don't the think actor. I've seen that, and now I kind of want to see it. Oh, you know what? I think it was on one of the DVDs back in the day, and that was one I didn't get when we were working on the Universal Monsters Project. Yeah, it's on the flip side of the, you know, the new uh, DVD collections that came out a few years ago that are right. in green. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, and I think that I... That's right. I think yeah. I only got to keep the Mummy one, which is good, because I like the Mummy, but it's not as cool as, like, Sure. The Dracula one. That it was, was Carlos Villarias as uh, Count Dracula. Um, it's good. I've checked that out. Yeah, I have it. You know, so if you're ever here, we can we can watch it. Um, well, we should probably give you know final thoughts about uh, Werner Herzog's uh, Nosferatu. So, uh, Tony, you want to start us off? Um, 
I just think it's a beautiful film. I think it never gets old. Uh, you know, having I haven't seen it in a while, but then watching it today, I was just it was just it's just an awesome film. Um, the fact it happens to be a vampire film, and I think they just did all the beats right again. I'm pretty sure. Isabella Johnny is a vampire, like, if you look. Because <laughs> she was older than I thought, even, whenever I looked her up on IMDb years ago when I first saw the movie. She's about 34 years old here. That's crazy. Right yeah. It's just, I can't, there's no way that she isn't She's a, vampire. a vampire. Or there's a really old portrait of Isabella Johnny mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhere in an attic, aging. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I apologize. I might be wrong. She was born in 55. So 65, 75, uh, 79, so 24. Tw- 24, 24, not 34. Oh, yeah. still, but still, but now yeah. she still looks the same, though. Yeah, yeah. it's it's weird and creepy. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I do, you know, I'll, I'll accept that some people think it's slow and whatever, but I don't know. It just all works for me. Definitely in so many beautiful shots. They, they look just as good if, if there were stills. They could easily be stills you know, posters on your walls in college or wherever even now, you know? Yes. Like, just, it's, and it's, I think it's fairly timeless as well, which you can't say about every uh, vampire movie, you know? That's, that's, that's well said, yeah. Julia, final thoughts? Dracula? I'm sorry, I'm, Dracula. Nosferatu, 1979. Um, I, it, all the rest of the movies that we do are, are like this one and not like the Fright Nights. I mean, not Friday night. What's the one? Uh, the, the, the Return of the Living Dead? Return of the Living Dead yeah. <laughs> movie that you, that you did two weeks ago. Then I'll stick it out with, for the long haul with this group. <laughs> wow. Um, and, and my final thoughts. This is a really wonderful, one of the most dreamiest uh, Dracula movies I've ever seen. If Certainly if you're a Dracula purist, you've probably already seen it. But I think if you're just a movie fan um, and you like... You're, you're willing to watch art films. This, you know, Nosferatu 1979 has more plot than most art films, and it is beautiful. There are some scenes that really look like they are just watercolors put on film, most of it involving that, you know, that beach. Uh, the music is astonishing and haunting. Um, it's pretty disgusting as well, you know, the movie, with and, and it has some of the most amazing method performances from actors going on. So uh, this this is a real treasure that I feel like a lot of people are less aware of than you would think. You know, everybody knows Nosferatu, but I don't know if a lot of people know about this remake. So this is this is definitely something to see. And, you know, we're doing this in October. In other words, we're doing this right now to kick off uh, Halloween month, which is going to be very exciting because we're going to see some of the best of the best this month, and, and it's going to be great. Including and everything in between. Yes. Well, we're going to be seeing. We're going to spend an episode. I know this on Charlie Brown. You know, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. So I'm super excited about that. And I'm hoping one of my favorite guilty pleasures, Trick or Treat. We are going to do Trick or Treat. I've just decided that my we're heavy going metal. to do it. As, we'll do it as separate. We, we may do them the same night, but I want them to be separate uh, episodes so people can like download one and then the other. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Have, we're do definitely trick or treat. have a outcast like underdog night. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't wait. And I just got the new um Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown DVD which has a, a documentary on it, so that'll be great. 
And um, wow, so let's talk about what we want to endorse. Tony, I think you had something. I have um, actually two yeah. or three things. Okay. Um, not to take too long, but uh, no, go ahead. I got my DVDs since Netflix is doing the things that they're doing right now. And while I'm not totally just like, I can't believe it, and I'm totally angry at them, we definitely, times are a-changing. So I have gone back to my old haunt here in Austin. Um, up north, we have we don't have as much, uh, you know, I Love Video and stuff. So Encore, um, always awesome, great selection. And I also get a lot of my metal CDs from there, too. But uh, I went back to them today and very easily hadn't been in years and everything went really well and their prices are pretty good so north austin definitely encore has hooked me up for the podcast so that's cool also i was at fantastic fest uh i spent the week in the theater and i saw let's see 33 movies over the course of the week (laughs) some of those were horror um i cannot say enough good things about the zombie comedy from cuba uh, Juan of the Dead. It was amazing. Um, political undercurrents, but they don't hit you over the head with that. It's more about the people of Cuba um, and little kind of political things there. Um, the director seemed to think that they got away with doing what they did because they haven't seen the movie yet. We'll see how that goes. Juan of the Dead was awesome. Wow. Just it, so much fun, so much great stuff. Um, I also saw the, uh, let's see, the the super creepy two eyes staring. Um, that was really creepy. Kids are huh. creepy, <laughs> by the way. Um, let's see, uh, the the squad, which was kind of atmospheric and okay, but a lot of my friends hated it. Um, but yeah, I didn't do a lot of the uh, the more horror track. I tend to when I go to Fantastic Fest, do more like Hong Kong movies and comedies and such. But, um, oh, and another really nice kind of heist or procedural like Hitman movie that also happens to have some supernatural elements called The Devil's Business, which is really good. Some of these movies may or may not be picked up. I have no idea. But I'm really hoping One of the Dead does because it was amazing. Oh, and if you're a Gore fan, and I didn't know if I should – put this on the, the Castle Dracula podcast because it's uh-huh. gross but really funny, um, almost like a crazy guar video uh, <laughs> short called Brutal Relax. Okay. Um, and I, the glee in which the gore flies in this short was just simply amazing. I had seen a movie I really hated that was posed as a horror movie like Slasher in the Woods movie, and I just... And you saw the movie Brutal Relax, or just no, no? It's a, it was a short oh. that played in front of another movie. Okay. Um, the this other movie, I don't even want to mention it because you know a lot of my friends liked it or whatever. I saw this one movie and I just hated it. I was a minority. <laughs> I thought it, it was one of those like people getting killed in the woods, but I just thought everybody was did the dumbest things they could possibly do, and it just annoyed me. So then the next movie I saw showed the short Brutal Relax, which has super crazy gore and ridiculousness. Um, Oh, it's just amazing. But it it was so gleeful and over the top. And the budget can't have been that big, but all the gore looks crazy. I mean, they're like ripping people's skeletons out of... Good. I mean, it's 
it's insane, but it's it's done with a certain amount of humor uh-huh. and kind of over the. Like I said, it's kind of like a guar video in a way, but done better than a lot of guar videos in, in its own right. Um, man, I just it it was gleefully over the top. So All right. I recommend searching on YouTube "Brutal Relax." Okay. Um, and then hopefully one of the dead whenever it comes out. So. I, w- I will actually look at Brutal Relax right away. Um, I'll send you the link. My my only endorsement this week, uh, I, I haven't gotten out to watch anything new in a while uh, because we've been meaning to, to go see Contagion. It hadn't happened yet, so I can't tell you yet whether. But I, it sounds terrifying, and I want to see it. But uh, I really recommend the soundtrack to this movie, Nosferatu 1979. And uh, you can get it in the same collection that I did, where it's called the be- it's called Popovu, the best of Popovu from the films of Werner Herzog. And so they have it has a lot of the music from the Nosferatu. There's no like straight Nosferatu soundtrack that you know you can go buy, but this is the same thing because it has most of the best songs from Nosferatu, but it also has songs from Fitzcarraldo and some other uh, Herzog movies and. It's cool. If you play this, you'll you'll freak your friends out, you know. And you could put this actually on with Goblin as well, and just make it your sort of Goblin Popovu mix. Ooh, that would be that is a good mix. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Especially that that one from Suspiria. That's down, 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 down. Yeah, <laughs> that was one to to cover. Oh, by the way, some I can't remember an electronic band or a hip hop act, and I can't yeah. remember who. Um. Used part of Suspiria in huh. something, and because uh, I was listening, to a friend of mine had their like Pandora station going. I was like, "Is that Suspiria?" He's like, "Oh no, it's such and such band." I, I'm totally blanking on what it was. How wild! Um, yeah, you should check this out. <laughs> it was really funny. All right, very cool. Um, and that's pretty much it. We, I've uh, I don't have in front of me what movie is next. I think we still need to vote on it, but we'll be back next week with another horror movie and um probably another classic because it's it's Halloween and we're going to do uh, you know we're going to do some really good ones before October is out so I can't wait wait to let you guys know um drop us a line on the you know on the Facebook page or on the blog or or anything and we will answer questions in here and uh thanks very much and I guess we've got somebody in the uh also in the crowd oh Darren's there and uh, yeah. our Darren, our diehard from Thanks. from Simply Scripts, who uh, endorses Simply Scripts, and also snitch film and movie poet. Thank you for being there. I really appreciate having somebody in the audience. It's awesome. All right. Um, and I endorse Candy Corn. And by the way, the awesome. podcast is you endorse Candy Corn. I'm sorry, I didn't even ask you. No. Oh my God. Way to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is there you, anything that you would other than candy corn? That's all, guys. It's it's just right. to the test of time. So. That and the fact I'm that I'm glad it was candy corn and not marshmallow pumpkins. Which <laughs> oh, I miss, and there's the I miss Oreos with the pumpkins. orange the orange middles. Those are pretty good too. I, I'm serious. I want to go get some candy corn right now. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, just, that just really really worked for me. Awesome. Okay. Uh, thanks everybody for being on and uh I, I i can't wait we're going to be back this was our biggest last last week was our biggest we get our listeners are growing every single week so i hope, they, I hope you mean that they're more that. in number and not in size yeah and if you <laughs> they're just sitting there eating candy corn listening to 
<laughs> so if you listen, subscribe. If you subscribe, let somebody else know. If you do both those things, you know, be sure and and give us a review. And uh, um, we really appreciate it. All right, thanks everybody. I'm Jason, and uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye Tony. Enjoy. Bye.